Yo, this is Tata's podcast episode 2 Today I'm dropping some knowledge on what the fuck happened to Kodak Now there's very few corporate fumbles as staggering as Kodak's missed opportunities in digital photography And that's because at one point in time Kodak was the biggest name in photography Not one of the biggest, but the biggest Kodak was founded in 1888 by two blokes, George Eastman and Henry Strong and by 1976 had become so dominant that 85% of all cameras sold and 90% of all films sold in the U.S. were sold by Kodak. It's absolutely bananas. Um, So how do you go from dominating an industry for most of the 20th century to filing for bankruptcy in 2012? Now, there's a lot of different opinions and perspectives on what actually happened to Kodak, so everything I'm covering is just my take. Um, how did Kodak initially change the game? Well, George Eastman made all these dope innovations, and I'm not going to go into a ton of detail on them, but the overall value created from these innovations is that it made photography available to the general public. Life before Kodak involved those big clunky cameras you see on those old westerns, which also meant you had to keep all those big heavy supplies nearby. Kodak's goal was to make this experience so easy and seamless for the general public. So much so that their first tagline ever was, you press the button and we do the rest. Now with this value prop, it's not, how to, it's not hard to see how they dominated the market and how they became so dominant. But what's interesting is that most people think that the invention of the digital camera is ultimately what led to the demise and downfall of Kodak. And they're partially right, but not in the way you might think. You see, the digital camera was invented by Steve Sasson, who was an engineer at Kodak, and Kodak filed a patent for this in 1978. And it's important to note that, as a lot of people tend to forget that, Kodak actually was, you know, the first mover with digital cameras. So their problem wasn't that, you know, someone beat them to the party. The problem was Kodak struggled in transitioning from the 70 to 80% profit margins from photo film sales to the three and a half, four percent profit margins of consumer electronics. And they really focused on the bottom line, uh, not necessarily that, not necessarily focusing on the value that they created for consumers. I remember my prof uh, in college, shout out to Ethan, uh, always said something to me. He'd say that Kodak forgot that they were in the memory capturing business and not the photo taking business. And that kind of stuck with me because you see this happen to a lot of companies when they go public. Market pressures compel these companies to focus on short-term results and instead of focusing on the long-term goals. And they kind of forget what got them to the point that they are. But I, I guess to understand how Kodak could stay in denial for so long, we kind of need to take a deeper dive and look, to, look into the culture that they forced it. Um, So in 1981, Vince Baraba, who was the head of their market intelligence, conducted a very extensive research effort that looked at the core technologies um, and the likely adoption curves around film versus digital. Um, And around the same time, Sony had introduced the first electronic camera. The concern was, would digital photography destroy Kodak's film-based business model? The findings of the study were concerning, but not fatal. The concerning aspect was that digital photography had the capability to replace Kodak's film-based business. However, this would take time, 
and you know Kodak could prepare for this transition. You know the study, the study's projections took into consideration numerous factors: um, the cost of digital photography equipment and the quality of images and prints, and a number of other factors. But everything pointed to the imminent adoption of digital photography. But like I mentioned, this wouldn't happen overnight. Kodak had a lot of time to transition to another business model and effectively be in a really good position for when this actually occurred. So what did Kodak do um, in the 10-year period, uh, the 10-year window of opportunity, I should say? Absolutely nothing. In fact, they went out of their way to stifle any progress toward a new business model in a move I like to call hustling backward. Rather than prepare for the time when digital photography would replace film, Kodak chose to use digital to improve the quality of film. Hustling backward. I mean, I mean, like the strategy to use digital as a prop for the film business culminated in 1996. They introduced uh, the Advantix preview camera. Kodak spent more than 500 million to develop and launch this product. And one of the key features was that it allowed users to preview their shots and indicate how many prints they wanted. I mean, I can't make this shit up. This was a digital camera that still used film and emphasized print. Why? Well, because Kodak was in the photo film, chemical and paper business. And yes, the Advantix completely flopped to no surprise. I mean, why would you buy a digital camera and still pay for film and prints? That just makes no sense. Now I know hindsight is 2020, and if we look back to the 80s, it's very easy to see through the decisions that you know Kodak was making as a company where they'd end up. Um, but they had a lot of opportunities, and that's I think that's what we need to focus on. They had a lot of opportunities to kind of change the trajectory of the company. Actually, in 1989, after horrific acquisition of Sterling Drug, uh, Kodak's board had yet another opportunity to make a significant course change. The CEO Kobe Chandler decided to retire and the two final candidates were Phil Samper and a bloke named K.R. Whitmore. Now Whitmore was a legacy Kodak employee. Um, You know this guy represented the traditional film business and he had been with the company for 30 years Um, and on the other hand Samper had a deep appreciation for digital technology and was really vocal on his belief that digital photography was the way of the future. The board chose Whitmore, and according to a New York Times article reported at the time, Whitmore said he would make sure Kodak stayed closer to its core business in film and photographic chemicals. Yeah, Whitmore lasted for like three years before the board fired him in 1993, and um, it was really a revolving door for another decade. Uh, Legacy leadership and, you know, the culture stifled any progress toward a new business model. And I guess this legacy culture um, can be summed up in one glorious statement made by George Fisher. Fisher succeeded Whitmore in 1993 and told the New York Times, quote, Kodak regarded digital photography as the enemy. Yeah, nice one. <laughs> and it's, no, it's to no surprise that Fisher, Fisher also saw the Advantix development and launch was subsequently gone in 1999. Again, the story didn't change Uh, in 2005 with shareholders looking for someone to lead them into the digital age. They brought in Antonio Perez. Perez came from Hewlett Packard and he saw the future in consumer printers. But 
he struggled to change the culture and had difficulties dealing with legacy leadership. And honestly, finally, after decades of mismanagement, and I should mention the colossal growth from digital photography, Kodak filed for bankruptcy on January 19th, 2012. Now, since Kodak filed for bankruptcy, it seemed to fall out of the minds of almost all consumers, which is pretty crazy to think about. This was a company that was synonymous with any life, any life event or any breathtaking moment. Anything memorable was a Kodak moment. And that's really strange to say right now, considering now we do everything for the gram. So, you know, what can we learn from Kodak? Well, it's easy to look back and say, well, you know, Kodak had an enterprise mindset that was not open to change. And yes, that's true. Kodak should have been open to change, to changing trends, actually. Um, but I can't help but go back to what my prof said to me. Uh, Kodak forgot what business they were in the business of immortalizing special moments and you don't have to be running a fortune 500 a 500 company to to apply this or even running a business you know um oftentimes you know when people experience a little bit or even a lot of success they tend to forget what got them there and in kodak's case what got them there was constantly innovating to deliver the best possible products for consumers all right homies that is all I got for you. Um, I hope you enjoyed me dropping some knowledge. Please like, share the podcast, leave a dope review too. And until next time, peace.